This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at LeBanks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Turn to in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Last week I looked uh, at the heart, and I just want to keep on talking more about that, about the heart. Last week I, I spoke about the, the hardening of the heart. All the things that life throws at us often can result in our heart. Isn't that right? It's just generally life, and people get disappointed, people get hurt, uh, people get bitter, all kinds of things can get into our hearts and cause our hearts to become hard. That's why we looked at last week, it said the book of Hebrews. Don't let your heart become hard. So easy to allow our hearts to become hard. When our hearts become hard, God can't really, we can't receive from God. Uh, God can't do what He wants to do with us simply because our hearts become hard. Nothing seems to penetrate, nothing seems to get through, nothing seems to touch our lives. We lose the ability to feel, we lose the ability to, to, to praise and worship. All those things that really utterly come out of the heart. That's why one of the works of the devil is to harden your heart. And I think circumstances and disappointments and, and pain that hits our life has the potential to either harden our hearts or, or actually make our hearts more soft and tender. And we want tender, soft hearts, pliable hearts. Uh, it's a of a seed, you can see a seed, when a seed plants in the ground, in that seed is amazing potential for life. It's only when that that, that seed is planted in the ground and the hard outer shell, the hard outer case is broken open the potential of life's fall. That's why it works. We, life can just harden us. People disappoint us. People can say things. All kinds of things can happen. We build this hard outer shell of mine. Hard outer shell of my heart and resistance. And we've got to allow some things to hit our lives and, and the hard outer shell breaks open all the potential of life just flows out. You can say, Amen. That's, that's what we're looking for. So that's what we looked at last week. If you missed that, there are, uh, if you listen to it on the iPod or you can listen to it the CDs there, you can get. Uh, this week, I want to talk about having an enlarged heart. So we have a hard heart, but what we really want is a, an enlarged heart. Can you say, Amen? Look at 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11. There's so much comes from your heart. All about the condition of your heart. Where your heart is. Heart. 2 Corinthians 6 11, Paul here speaks about his heart. So, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is one. Wide open. There's no borders, there's no limitation. Our hearts are just wide open. We've got large hearts. You've not restricted us. But you are restricted by your own effect. In other words, things have come into your life that have restricted and put borders and limited your life. He says, we're not limited, we're not restricted because of the condition of our hearts. Our hearts are wide open. That's what we want. Wide open hearts. When our hearts are wide open, you'll be amazed what can happen in your life. He said, Anyway, Matthew 12, this is... Jesus had a lot to say about the heart. 
power of the heart. And in Matthew 12, again, he reminds us of, of certain things, of, of what? The importance of the heart. Have you noticed that Jesus never held back on his words? Yeah. As he says, it is either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and the fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruits. Brood of vipers! How can you be evil speak good things? I'm going to say, for out of the abundance of the what? Heart. And speaks. A good man out of a, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. See that. Key word of that passage one day is the heart. It says, from the heart come words we say. From the heart. What comes out of your mouth really is what's in your heart. Your words are a product of what's in your heart. Jesus said this. All the Proverbs says this that, that your tongue has the power <coughs> of life and death. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So think about it. Out of the heart comes what we say. And yet what we say has the ability to produce life or death. We have to think as death as something that's just as a, as a termination. You know, death in the Bible really isn't a termination, it's a separation. When you physically die, you, it's not death isn't a, a termination, death is a separation. You either go to be with the Lord in heaven or you go to hell with no in between. It's a termination. So a termination is a separation. A separation. So what he's saying is, is that life and death has the ability to separate you. It can either connect you to God or it can separate you from God. It can either connect you to people or it can separate you from people. Life and death is in the power of the And so from out of our hearts, we're either bringing positive or negative things. And good things are our blessings, fruitfulness, joy, all the spiritual benefits really are a product of what is in our hearts. So let's remove the word evil for a moment and let's change that word to evil. Let's use the word negative. So either good things come out of your heart or negative things. Things like anxiety, fear, discouragement, hopelessness. We are producing that from the stuff that's in our hearts. And Jesus says that if you want to produce good fruit, it's all about changing the heart. You think about it, it could be talking about a tree. Because and how many realize that if a tree grows apples, that's always ever going to grow? You can't change the fruit of what a tree produces, is that right? If it's a pear tree, it's going to produce pears. If it's an apple tree, it's going to produce apples. You can't change the fruit. But Jesus is saying that you can change the condition of the heart. The condition of the heart. Because he says, what comes out of your heart is going to produce things. It's going to produce relationships. It's going to produce lifestyles. Everything that we produce is going to come from our heart. 
We're not known by our good intentions. We're not known by our good wishes. We are known by our fruits. Every one of us is known by our fruit. Whether that fruit's negative or whether that fruit's positive, that's what you're known by. That's what you're recognised by. What comes out of your heart produces that fruit. If we're full of negativity, if we're full of unforgiveness or rejection and hurt and anxiety, heaven would say that that's in my heart, I'm not going to produce good fruit. Is that right? The fruit I produce will be negative fruits. But what happens if joy is in my heart? What happens if peace is in my heart? What happens if security is in my heart? That means that I'm going to produce good fruit. It's really, Jesus said, it's really down to what's in your heart, the condition of your heart. Either produce amazingly abundant good fruits, or your life is going to be affected by negative things. It's not because of the circumstances, it's not because of what's around you, it's really down to what, what's in your heart. This is what Jesus says, this is what Proverbs says. My son, ladies as well, ladies, everybody, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, don't let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart. But they are life to those that find them, health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with your diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says, through your ear, eye, through your lips, you, you speak the word, and you get that word right in the midst of your heart. And once you get that word in the midst of your heart, don't let it depart. And I said, out of the abundance of the heart. And that word abundance means exceedingly beyond measure, overflowing. What your heart is full of. Abundance, what your heart's full of. And out of this abundance, once, that, once God puts things in your heart, once it gets there, you've got to guard it. You've got to allow the exceeding fullness to get in your heart. Really, it's down to what is your heart full of. If your heart's full of negativity, then it affects the way you pray for something positive. You can know the promises of God. You can know the word of God. But here's the issue. Is it there in fullness? Is it there in abundance? That's the issue. It's not that I know the Bible. It's not that I know scriptures. It's not that I know promises. The issue is, is it right in the core of my heart? And is it in the core of my heart in abundance? In abundance. People can read the word and yet still make negative confessions. People can feel like know about biblical standards but yet live worldly lives. They've got it there but it's not there in abundance. You see that? In other words, if I've got it there just in parts, if I've got it there just in bits and segments, that's not going to produce. It's what I have in abundance that produces. That's the issue. What's in my heart in abundance is what's going to produce. So if I've got negativity in abundance in my heart, that's what's going to produce. If I've got rejection in abundance in my heart, that's what's going to produce. If I've got insecurity and abundance in my heart, that's what's going to produce. 
by the positive one. If I've got the word of God in abundance, then that's going to produce. If I've got the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in abundance, that's going to produce. The issue is what I have in abundance in my heart is what is going to produce. Verse 22, Proverbs. <coughs> the light of those who find them. So verse 21, keep them in the core. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So I get the word of abundance in my heart. That's the point. If I have word of security in my heart, you know what it's going to produce? It's going to produce stability. If I've got word of strength in my heart, it's going to produce strength. If I've got the words of confidence in my heart, it's going to produce confidence. If I've got fear in my heart, it's going to produce fear. So whatever's in my heart, whatever is ruling, whatever I've got in my heart, is really what's going to be How many want the word of God in abundance? How many want the Holy Spirit in abundance? Because when it's in the midst of your heart, it's going to produce the most amazing and awesome things you can imagine. It produces. It's what's in abundance in my heart. If anger is in abundance in my heart, it's going to produce all kinds of reactions and relationships. Really what is at the core and the center of my heart. And here we're told, get that word in the core of your heart. Focus your attention. Focus your mind. Give yourself so much to it that you get right in the core of your being and you're full of it. How many of you ever met people full of something? Yeah. They have a really, some really good positive news. That's all they want to talk about. But it's right there in the center. They're in Corresponding. Most of you kind of watch football. Yeah. When Birmingham, remember Birmingham won the Coca-Cola Cup a couple of years ago? Same like this one. I was full of it. I'd tell everyone about it. They are doing so badly now. I don't even talk about it. I, I avoid the subject. You know, I avoid it. I don't even talk about that. It's not very much, very much part of my heart right now. In other words, when you're full of something, it just comes out of you. You're just full of it. God says, that's the way I want to be my world. That's the way I want to be my relationship with you. You are full of me, you're full of my word, and out of your innermost being, it's going to be an incredible, productive life inside Now it says here, it says, out of it spring the issues of life, the issues of life. And that word issue there can be translated voids. Guard your heart, because out of it comes the perimeters of your world. My, the perimeters of the borders of the perimeters, the borders of my life are not set by my parents. They're not set by my circumstances. They're not set by the situations of my life. The borders of my heart, the borders of my life, are set them by my heart. How big a life I live, or how small a life I live, are all set by my heart. There's this point, get this picture, borders on my heart. So if I've got Fear in my life. That's a border over my heart. It's going to restrict my life. It's a border there. I'm not going to do the things I want to do because there's a border of fear there. You know, friend, something God puts in your heart to do, and you really want to do it, there's a border of fear that restricts you, prevents you from doing what you know you should do. Borders of insecurity, borders of rejection, 
borders of unforgiveness. In other words, that when that stuff's in my life, it, create, it creates borders in my relationships. I fence people out. I don't let people get close. Because I've got a border over my heart. There's insecurity there. There's rejection there. And so I never let people get too close. Because there's a border. I can't, and I can't reach out. I can't get close. I can't deepen relationships. Because my life is restricted. Because I've got a border of those things on my life. There can be borders of unbelief, of sensing God's power. There can be borders of comfort that stop me stepping out into new things for God. There can be borders of approval that stop me obeying God. Borders of inconsistency that hold me back from doing the things God caused me to do. Borders of discouragement that hold me back from fulfilling my destiny. So the key is to let the body into everything. Which means I've got to pull back those borders. I've got to push those borders way back. So the further I push the borders back, then the more of God's abundance begins to flow in me. In other words, I have got to enlarge my heart. Because the more I enlarge my heart, the more God will fill my heart with greater capacity. I'm increasing the capacity so God can fill it more and more. Listen to this. How then do I strengthen my borders? How do I increase, enlarge my heart? A few things that help you enlarge your heart. That's the first thing. Act on the Word of God. Every time you act on that Word, you know what you do? You enlarge your hearts. You stretch your borders back. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. That's a good one. Don't worry about anything, that's a powerful one. So what I do, I begin to act on it. So the moment I'm tempted to worry or get anxious, I say, you know what, I'm going to act on the word and not get anxious. I'm not going to get worried. No matter what things attack my life, I refuse to bow down to anxiety and worry. What am I doing? I'm stretching the borders of my heart. You'll find the more you do that, it won't be too long before anxiety and worry begins to live from you. You enlarge your heart so the abundance of God can come in. The Bible says, forgive those who offended you, Father. Forgive those. So even though I don't want I, I find it hard to forgive, I choose to forgive because I choose to act on the word and every time I do that, I stretch the borders of my heart. I obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit prompts me to, to, to bless someone in some way. It might be to share Jesus with someone. It might be to, to, to just bless or do something to someone in their life. You know, the Holy Spirit prompts me to do it. Every time you obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you enlarge your heart. Your borders get bigger. Every time you forgive someone, you don't really want to forgive. Every time you do it, you enlarge your borders. Ever said no to something you really want to do, it, and you really want to do it, but you say no to it because you know that's not God's will for your life. Every time you say no to something you know that it's not God's will for your life, the more you enlarge the borders of your heart. 
So every time I'm acting on the Word of God, as God speaks to me, as He prompts me by the Holy Spirit, as He reveals things to my heart, every time I act on it and I obey it, the thought of my heart will be What did the promise today? We're very good at healing, not quite so good And the Bible says you can be a hearer of the Word, but not a doer. You think of all the sermons that we've heard over years, decades, you can get God TV, you can get it on iPod, you can get the Bible, you can get sermons all over the place. So the issue is it's not what we're hearing, the issue is what we're doing. We can actually get so used to just hearing things that we never think we actually have to put it into practice. Because only when you do it, it's only when you obey, it's only when you put it into practice that the borders of your heart get enlarged. It's only then your heart begins to change and be developed. As you act on the word. Say amen. There's the next thing. I like this one. So extraordinary seed. The Bible speaks about sowing and reaping. Someone said this if you don't like what you're reaping, then change what you're sowing. Change what you're sowing. You know what? It may not necessarily be something difficult. Here's one. It might mean just smile more. Just smile a lot more. Go to the cashier and, and just smile and just smile. And it was, you, know, you just smile when you go to open the door for people, you smile. On your job, you're smiling. You just smile more. That's, amazing. That's an amazing seed to sow. Forgive quicker. Instead of it taking six years for you to forgive, forgive quicker. Obey easier. Instead of God having to sort of put such pressure on you before you obey, the moment God says something to you, you go and obey. You obey easier. Be more committed. Don't get so upset so easily. Spend more time in prayer. Do more acts of blessing. They are just ordinary seed. For if you will sow them, they will produce extraordinary things in your life. Amen. You would say, you know, I want better relationships. I want, I want a mass, I want a better marriage. Do extraordinary things. Do things out of the routine. Special meal. Why not take your wife for a special meal? This is a really nice one. A special meal. Or well, wives. Maybe you can take your husband breakfast in bed. Why not? That'd be cool. Get in the paper. And take that, take the tray up, the coffee, and the, the, the eggs, potions, and everything. You know, I said, do extraordinary things. If you want great relationships, then so it's your own sins. Bless someone in a certain way. Break your way for someone. Maybe for some of us, the so thing is to get up early to pray. The so is never, we need to get up earlier to pray. What about this? Maybe somebody's hard to get on with in your workplace. I'm sure everyone's so wonderful where you work, but maybe there's just one person who you struggle to get on with. Man, they are the thorn in your side. They are the one that causes you so much hassle in life. And they always seem to steal your joy. You're full of joy and you're on a great day, and suddenly that person says it or does something and it just robs you of your joy for the day. Maybe your seed is to be more patient. Maybe your seed is to begin to change your attitude to them. 
Make a prayer for them. Leave a prize to bless them. Maybe your seed is to do the wrong, is to do, is to do the right thing and wrong things. Amazing. And sometimes when wrong things happen to us, we tend to respond by doing wrong things. But why not do right things when wrong things happen? You keep being faithful. You keep praising. You keep confessing the word even when sometimes bad things happen. That's a test of you. We can all be praising when things go well, but what about when they don't? Let me show you a great verse. I love this. Genesis 26, verse 12. It says in verse 1 of Genesis 26, there was a famine in the land. Besides the first time it was in the days of Angus. Famine in the land. What do you do in a, a land? What do you do when it's famine in the land? And we're going to see here, Isaac did the very opposite to what you do with this famine in the land. Look what he said in verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year. Amazing. In a famine, he sowed seed. Oh. It didn't make the conditions were perfect. People must have said, you're absolutely mad. You're crazy sowing seed in a famine. But he sowed a seed. No matter what people said or people discouraged him, Isaac kept sowing extraordinary seed. And the Bible says because he did that, he received 100% return on the the seed that he sowed. There's the thing. You know what he realized? He remembered, he realized this. It was God who was in control. It was God who was in control. It doesn't matter what it looked like naturally, God is supernatural. So your natural conditions aren't affected by it. And no matter what it looks like, Isaac sows. I just wanted for you to Maybe outwardly things don't look so good. I'll tell you what to do. When things don't look good, keep sowing the seed. Keep praying. Keep praising. Keep giving. Keep walking in love. Those seeds are going to take root. They're going to take root. Maybe in that desert or that difficult place, that difficult circumstance. You keep sowing your seed, and eventually, those seeds are going to take root, and they're going to spring forth. Now, we've been about the Bible last week. The truth is, most places that see revival are often the most unlikely places. There were people <coughs> who kept praying, kept believing in God's importance, no matter how heavenly a party book, they kept praying. They kept believing. They kept seeking the face of God. They refused to be to give up on the outward circumstances around them. And they kept sowing the seed. And eventually the rain is in there. All the seeds that have been sown suddenly came to this Maybe a little one. We prayed for a long time. It seems to change. God says, keep praying. Keep pressing in. Keep holding on. Eventually, you are going to see things happen. Keep raising your expectation level. 2 Corinthians 2 11. Here's an interesting little verse here. I'm going to look at it from verse 10. 
Now, whom you forgive anything, I will also forgive. For if indeed I have been forgiven anything, I forgive them that one, one for your sake, is in the presence of Christ. Notice this. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his That's true. I wonder if we are we are ignorant, not ignorant, Satan. Satan. Paul calls forgiveness here, for example. It could be called lots of things. It could be called anger. It could be called worry. It could be called insecurity. It may not seem major. It may not seem such a massive big thing. Here the Bible calls it a device. It's a device that the enemy puts in the heart. Sometimes he can leave it there for weeks, for months, for even years. Until he realizes there comes a time when he needs to ignite that device. When fear, discouragement become part of your heart, it becomes a device that Satan can activate. It may not seem big. But it's small enough to, to affect your spiritual growth. In other words, God calls you, maybe, to some aspect of ministry. Just calls you to do something for Him. But because there, are, there is inferiority in your heart, and it's there in your heart, the moment you go to activate and, and do that ministry, Satan falls. So you never really fulfill that ministry. Because that device is blowing your heart. You can't build relationships. Every time you build a relationship, there's insecurity. The enemy triggers that insecurity off and it damages and affects relationships. Take the sub part of your heart. You've never got over that failure. You've never got over that. That, that, that part of your past, where you so failed and so messed up, can't seem to get over it. And every time you move forward with God, the enemy ignites on your heart. Put you right back. That's why Paul says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices because they're affecting you. They're affecting the blessings. They're affecting the purpose of your life. Because that is the truth. I think that's a lot. Think of something that you'd love to think about. Think about it. Not just in the list around, but you just think about it. I would love to do that. Ask yourself this question What is holding me back? What's the first thing that comes into your mind? What's the thing that rises up like this? I can't do that because of such and such a thing. It's there. That's what the Bible says. That's a device. It's a device that you're going to say, you know what? I am so tired of the devil igniting that device every time. Every time I get close to someone, it explodes. Every time I do something for God, it explodes. Every time I 
I try to move forwards, it explodes. Somebody who's in a lot of sick and tired of device. And no longer am I allowed that device to any part of my heart. Calling on Jesus. And Lord, just take that device out. Take that limitation out. Let the borders of my heart be so large and so big. You can just pour it on from us. I can do all the amazing things. You call it me. I'm not going to preach on this verse. Ephesians 3.10. This is what Paul says for you today. Sorry, verse 20. Now to him, who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, of all that we ask, of all that we think, it's the gospel. It based on what's called, what is that based on? It's based on this. According to the power that's at work in you. And power's working in you affects that, that promise. So if God's performance is working in me, if the word is God is working in me, if the power of God is working in me, then I'm allowing him to live exceedingly abundantly above all that we have something. I think sometimes the enemy would have us focus on all kinds of things. It focuses on what we don't have rather than what we do. Focus on what's wrong rather than what's wrong. He wants you this morning to focus on your heart. Because God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward experience. God chose David because he was a man after his own heart. Not because of his ability, not because of his talent. God chose him because of the condition of his heart. God looks at our hearts today. He doesn't look at your past, he doesn't look at your abilities, your talents, or anything on your outward state experience. He looks at the heart. Really, what's in your heart? What's going on in your heart? What are your struggles with in your heart? What are the things that cause you to be defeated time and time again? What's the real thing? Going on in your heart. God's after your heart. He wants your heart completely and totally. He doesn't want part of it. He wants your heart fully, completely devoted to Him. He's not interested in part ownership. He wants your heart completely, totally full. And if you give Him your heart fully, completely, then you'll be amazed at the abundant thing, the abundant thing that God will work. Maybe other things have taken your affections, other things have, have really taken parts of your heart. Your heart's been torn from God. So other things have come in and taken your heart from you. Maybe you've never fully given your life to Christ. And this morning you say, Lord, I just want to give my life fully to you. I've been holding back so much. Maybe you're not even a Christian. Lord, I want to give my heart to Jesus. He's the only one who can produce the peace and the joy that all my heart to produce. So if I choose, I want to pray for you. Just pray this prayer. It's really a prayer for those who find Jesus into their hearts. 